Welcome back to the Pod Closet. I'm your co-host, Ryan Phillips, joined as always by my co-host, Jay-Z's 100th problem, Andrew Tuck. I like that one. That's good. I... Yeah, that is from uh, Zareen. So, she got you again. She sent me a whole that, laundry list. What you so. should have said is now Jay-Z, a bitch is one, because that would have double burnt me, right? Jay-Z's 100th problem, and I'm a bitch, right? No? Breakfast bitch? Yeah, whatever. I mean- well, it's you 20, are a breakfast. It's 2021. Bitch, we can't use that anymore. Um, welcome to Tuck and Rolls. We are a movie slash pop culture podcast by a guy that likes movies. That's me. And a movie guy. That's you. How's the week, Big Cap? You know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you how my week was. And I'm going to go on another one of my classic old person rants. You know how I love ranting about the new garbage system? Well, hold on to your butts because now I need a, need a new windshield in the car. Ooh, I want to rant. Everybody's favorite segment, Ryan yells at clouds. Yeah, old man yells at cloud. You know, back in my day, we wore an onion on the belt. It was the style at the time. Look, you live in Alberta, correct? Is that correct? I do. I live in in Airdrie, Alberta. Yep. Common problem here in Alberta is that the windshield on your car will just get absolutely fucked right up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Annihilated, yes. So uh, my beautiful Honda CRV that I love and I'm a big fan of has had a full full line straight across end to end right through the middle of my windshield for like two Mm -hmm. years and every time Mm -hmm. i go to my mechanic they're like bro maybe it's time and i'm like it's just (laughs) gonna get worse it's just the window is gonna keep getting more fucked up and i know as soon as i pay for a new one gonna get another fucking chip in it immediately but then i was just like i should do it it is bad like it's pretty bad and but i know i'm just like as soon as I get a new one, it's going to get another I got a question. rocket. Uh, what level is this uh, line across at? Is it eye level? Oh, it is. It could not be more eye level. It is right in the middle of my eyes, and it's it's straight across end to end. Tip to tip. tip. Yeah. Top, t- tail to tail <laughs> top to taint? To bottom, I don't know. T- is that a, do windows have oh, taints? Um, yeah, I think it's time. I do understand, but you got to do it. The key is, is you got to do it at the right time. You got to do it after the street cleaning, but before winter hits. Because it's gonna get fucked up in the winter. That's yeah, now. This is it. It's now, baby. Uh, you got uh, you got them uh, rain sensitive wipers. I, I think I do. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> no, it's like yeah, I know how much it's gonna yeah. cost. This is like twelve hundred bucks. Whoa, it's not, it's not an insignificant amount of money. Whoa, that is way higher than I thought it was gonna. It's be. well, I'm getting okay. I do. I trust my mechanic. I'm not. I really like my mechanic. I've been going there for okay. I don't know, like seven or eight years, and. And my previous job, we had like a business relationship as well. Yeah. I trust these guys 100%. This isn't, I could get the cheaper window. They said, look, we do a window coating. It's like a film, like a 3M type of thing. It's not, I'm, I'm an idiot, so I'm using layman's terms that I know. 3M works, yeah. But basically they're saying it's going to help prevent the new window from getting this and chips and et cetera. And I just always say to them, look, is it worth it? And so far- they barely sell me anything that isn't just regular maintenance, and everything they have ever sold me, I have been happy with. They treat me right. They don't sell me bullshit. So if they say that it's worth it, I, I trust them until they give me a reason not to. Which is a weird relationship to have with a mechanic. I'm I'm happy you do. Um, yeah, this is quite the conundrum. Twelve hundred bucks. It's going to do it. We had the uh, Gen Santa Fe, which we don't have anymore. Did not like that car. It had the 3M coating. It's like a glass shield. The only benefit it got was it was guaranteed to not chip. So when it chipped, it got replaced right away, which was fantastic. That seems like a good deal. Yeah. So movie slash pop culture slash windshield podcast this week. <laughs> what um, <laughs> what did you watch anything this week? Did you I did. You know movies? what? I watched uh, something that I absolutely loved that I think 50-50 people are going to watch it and either love it or hate it. I watched Bo Burnham's new Netflix special, Inside. Oh. And I told my wife I watched it and that I thought it was a masterpiece and I loved it. And she said, oh, is that his new comedy special? And I said, I don't know if I would call it a comedy. I laughed at parts of it, but I it was something new. It was extremely unique. Um, listener Patrick has also recommended this to me, so I'm, I'm going to check it out. I have a Bo Burnham story, if you want to, if you got a quick aside. <laughs> I mean, I, where am I going? I got nothing to do. I um, I saw him when he was at Grant Mac Hall, and I was too intoxicated, and I was the guy cheering too loud, and he called me out. Amazing. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, I was embarrassed to say the least, but my friend that I went to with it said, look, Bo interacted with us, and uh, 
you know, that's pretty special to me because he's he's number one Bo fan. So Well, let me tell you how bad you're about to feel because Bo had to stop performing live because his anxiety was so bad he was having panic attacks on stage. So drunk hecklers, probably not one of his favorite things. <laughs> to be fair, I wasn't heckling. I was just going... I, if you're at a live performance and you're being so loud that the person performing comments on you, that is a heckle. We don't need to make Tuck feel more guilty about this. This is not the point of this. This was me sharing my story so that I had something relatable to talk about. Do you watched. think heckles can only be negative? Like if I'm just yelling like, I think you're really great. You're doing a great job, but After- it's interrupting the show. That's still a heckle, right? I wasn't doing it at points when he was performing. I was doing it in the lulls. I think I was my timing was good, but when we have him on the podcast, we right. can ask him if he remembers sure. this. Bo Burnham, <laughs> come on the putting, show, coward. Putting that out there for year two. Um, I did not watch anything new this week. I did uh, watch a ton of that New Stars content. I mentioned that I was crushing the league, so I got through that. Um, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I've mentioned on the podcast before, is also on Disney Plus now on that Stars content. If we had a league trophy for the podcast, even though there's only two of us, you would win the Sacco every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll take that. I'm not very good at fantasy sports, even though you can't figure a snake draft. So, um, <laughs> the, But yeah, uh, It's Always Sunny's on there. That show is fantastic. If you've not checked it out, check it out now. The first 11 seasons are in there. It's the longest. It took over uh, from Friends as the longest running sitcom, comedy sitcom on TV, which is a well-deserved title. Uh, yeah. It has, it got renewed for another season, which is on FX or FXX or whatever. Um, but I think it's, it's just FFX cubed now. I think F- there's a cube. FFX, FFFFFX on demand. FXXX. With baskets. Uh so I was watching It's Always Sunny and I was watching Criminal Minds, which was a show Criminal I used to Minds. watch a lot in university. It's this, a, this week on shows your grandpa loves oh, Criminal Minds. I loved Criminal Minds. I, when I was in university, I used to watch it all the time when I was studying. Uh, for the listeners, I just did air quotes. Yeah, he did air quotes. Air quotes I saw it. Which is, which is great for the podcast medium. <laughs> but, but I watched, uh, I think, four seasons of Criminal Minds in like two days at one point gross or maybe it was like three anyway i went to safeway afterwards and all i could see was serial killers everywhere i was just like it was like this guy probably has somebody locked up in his basement and i i was like okay i gotta stop watching criminal minds this is just (laughs) affecting my psyche a bit but um yeah it was uh criminal minds real throwback it is it is a network tv show that your grandpa definitely loves so skip criminal minds watch the rookie instead Nathan, character actor Nathan Fillion, Edmonton born Nathan Fillion. True. Coming back for season four, I believe, is greenlit. All right. So we're starting year two hot with a lot of stuff we watched. Literally hot. It's 30 degrees. <laughs> melting. <laughs> it, is, it is 30 degrees in the hot pod closet. I will tell you what is, what's going to be hot coming out of the gate in year two, our guest. Are you excited for this, Ryan? Very excited. Okay. We'd like to welcome to the podcast a real professional. He was a producer and cinematographer on the documentary Closing the Gap, which profiles the North Korean men's hockey program and was the official selection at the 2019 Whistler Film Festival. He's currently working as a videographer for Pink Bike, the number one mountain biking site on the internet, raised in Grand Prairie, Alberta, and my buddy Caleb's cousin. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Devin. What's going on, Devin? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Super stoked to be here. It's hot. What an intro by Tuck. He said so many nice things and then had to throw that Grand Prairie, Grand Prairie jab in there because I've been to Grand Prairie and that's that's just really unfortunate, Devin, for you. Oh, man. I, hey, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take any tire pumping that I can get. And I honestly, yeah, I, I, have, I have a big amount of respect for the prairies and especially for Grand Prairie. Did you go to GPRC? My sister went to GPRC. I went there for, for like one year of just like trying to figure out what I should be doing with my life, just like threw away money and was like did nothing with it. Oh, you're preaching to the choir here, buddy. I threw away money at two different schools, a university and a college. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is which is now a university, I think. So two universities. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Count I it. love I love GP. We've talked about GP. We actually had a pretty big GP listenership. So if you wanted to uh if you shout, to out shout out any local out. haunts. Yeah. What's your fa- what was your favorite GP pub? Oh man, well back in the day it's it doesn't exist anymore. I'm pretty sure it's a gun range, the location that it is now, but it's it used to be called That's a the very Corral. Very story. Oh, the, the crowd. Yeah. I know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Shout out to the crowd. Yeah. Rest in peace. And then uh, Buster's Don't Air was the like go-to after-party spot. Devin, there's a Buster's Don't Air a block and a half from my house. 
And I only every, I don't know, seven or eight months, it's probably less. Who am I kidding? Me and my wife are like, we want pizza and we want Donaire's. Should we get the Buster's Donaire pizza, which is the best Donaire pizza in the game, unmatched? Uh, I was going to ask your opinion on that because I do love a good Donaire, which is a very, it's an Edmonton thing. We never got, when I was growing up in Calgary, we never got Donaire's after after the bar, as soon as I went to university, it was always, oh yeah, we got to go to Marco's or we got to go to Queen Donaire. Mark, Queen was better because you could get hot peppers, but uh, the Donaire pizza, are you a fan, Devin? Donaire pizza, yeah. Donaire pizza was was a good switch up, but I mean like, I don't know, that it, it borders that line of Hawaiian pizza. You're kind of like, well, I don't know here. <laughs> gimmicky. It's gimmicky. Okay. Uh, we we actually didn't bring you on to talk about Grab Prairie, but we're really glad we're starting off with this. I love the plug. They're going to love out. it. <laughs> shout out to all of our GP listeners. Um, I would like to talk about your movie, the movie that you uh, that you were the lead cinematographer on and actually shot in North Korea, unprecedented access to a North Korean sports team. This is this is a double first. You're our first actual real like full feature-length filmmaker and also the only person that's been to North Korea and on a podcast. <laughs> Made it out. So breaking the, breaking ground. The Venn diagram of those is just one circle and it's so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I well thank you. I definitely can't take all the credit. I uh, had a great team um, that was leading the charge on this film and I was just in their company and they were just happy to have me along. So um, definitely huge kudos to the team, the director Nigel Edwards, Sky Morphopolis producer, Matt Reichel, Sonny Ham. Uh, Michael Rowe, all those guys—they uh, they were they were part of my team, our team, and they definitely like led us fearlessly into the depths of North Korea. <laughs> so that was about five or five or six of you there that were you know boots on the ground, so to speak. Yeah, very very small, tight knit team. Um, the funniest part was none of us out of that like that core group we had never traveled together or like even met, um, like in some cases. And the first trip you're taking is to North Korea with all these like people you've never traveled with. Like usually you're going Probably to Mexico. Probably formed a pretty close, close bond. Um, how long did it take you guys to get to North Korea? Uh, so flight right path, there? like, you know, being in Vancouver, um, pretty easy. We just hopped a flight. Uh, what is that? Like 12 hours to, I think it was Beijing. We, we initially yeah. flew in um, overnight in Beijing, get up super early, hop on the train, Head back out to yeah, we flew into North Korea actually the first time, um, so we were we were flying in like economy class to North Korea. Um, so that took how busy was that plane? A lot of people. Yeah, good question. Oh man, shoulder to shoulder, um, really just ourselves, some other folks that were heading over. But it was always like strange because we're sitting on the flight, and then you'd see other white people, and you'd be like, you'd just be looking at them, kind of like give them a nod, like, oh, you too, what's up? <laughs> did you did you see Dennis Rodman over there? We were men. No. Wow. It feels okay. like every time we left, just as we were leaving, something big was happening in North Korea just as we were leaving. Like I think the I forget. I think the last time we were leaving, that was when the dear leader, Kim Jong-un, was just departing the country to go to go meet uh what was it in Vietnam to go meet um DJ. Oh yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Um Okay, so just for our listeners, the the movie um, Try and I both watched this week is fantastic. If you want to check it out, it's on iTunes. It's called Closing the Gap. It profiles um, profiles the North Korean men's hockey team as they train and prepare for a, a inter- IIHF tournament in New Zealand. And this is a they just got promoted to Div Two, and it goes through the bit of the history of their program, and then they're competing in a Div Two tournament, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There, that's kind of like the lower tier that would, you would then enter into like the Olympic level of hockey. I got I to gotta tell you as a compliment to your filmmaking, like uh, I don't give a shit about hockey. I know nothing about <laughs> hockey. And I still found this like really, really interesting. Obviously, uh, it's about more than just the hockey. Of the group of you are, you, are you all hockey fans? Like Devin, are you a hockey fan or... I'm definitely, I'm definitely, that's a great question. I'm definitely like a light hockey fan. I support the Oilers no matter light what. Fan. Um, but yeah, like I, I try to keep tabs on like what's going on, but I'm not like out there, you know, watching every game, dying for it. You you keep tabs for the street cred. You know, you're, you're in yeah. Canada. You could just be walking down the street in Vancouver and somebody hits you with a hard hockey question. You got to be able to represent a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like I want to be, 
somewhat relevant. That's that's usually like the key. But I mean, for most of us, there was only like the director, Nigel, he grew up playing a little bit of like, I think, junior hockey, like just like youth league stuff in the Okanagan. And then um, our other buddy, um, one of our translators, who's South Korean, um, but lives in Vancouver, grew up in Vancouver for most of his life. Uh, he played hockey. Um, so he was able to, he was like, you know, the first trip out, he was the first one like kind of on the ice trying to like, oh. like set up a relationship with a lot of the players. And every time we go yeah. back, cause we've been back four times now, um, the players oh, are wow. always asking, Oh, we're sunny. We're sunny. Um, so that's always, he definitely set up like a really positive, like repertoire with them. That's, that is one thing I noticed about the film. Cause there's a, there's a scene right in the first five minutes where they, they show the, the, the players coming back to the room and it's a very relatable scene. There's these moments peppered throughout that it's like, um, there's a quote on the website that says you don't, you have no idea what to expect about when you're coming into North Korea, because there's just, there's no information there's no confirmation and there's all these rumors and stuff like that. So you have these opinions. And then when you see these moments peppered throughout the film, like them coming back through the dressing room and them on the ice and even like, um, little things like that, it's, it's, it just demonstrates the power of sport and it's very relatable in a very different scenario. It was, it was cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, I think for sure, like the thing with sport and everybody, I think most people recognize this is that it's an, it's, there's no language. It's an international language. You know, you don't have to speak anything. It's, it, it, it all kind of looks the same after a while, no matter where you're at. Um, it's just how they do it. That might be a little bit different, but really at the end of the day, it's like, once we really got down to like the bare bones of these guys and we're really hoping for like an emotional story from these North Korean players, they're like, it's just like talking to any like hockey bros out here where it's like, yeah, I play hockey. About it. Like, oh. So just like hockey bros out here, a lot of truck nuts on the trucks then? <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that's very common out here. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Imagine, ima- legitimately imagine going to, I don't know, a normal part of the world, not Alberta, and trying to explain the concept of truck nuts. It's just, come on. I think you just bring them and then they explain themselves when you put them in the truck. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you get around it, obviously. Uh, for the record, my van does not have truck nuts because I don't have a hitch, so... Once we solve that problem, I can get my truck nuts back on the van. CRV's got a hitch. <laughs> the, um, get me some nuts. Uh, so you guys shot in, I, I don't want to give too much away because it came out in 2019. I do have a question. Uh, Go rent it. It's only five bucks. Go rent it. Yeah, watch it. Rent it or buy it because it's $7.99. So then you can watch it again because there's a lot of little nuances that you pick up. When you guys were shooting in New Zealand, did you have the same restrictions that the that the team had or were you guys kind of in your own little, That's a good question. Own little island? <laughs> Man, New Zealand was, you know, I've been, I have a very young film career um, and I have a long ways to go, but I think in terms of like actually like just creating, New Zealand was actually the most difficult part of that documentary, to be honest. Um, New New Zealand, we thought was going to be a breeze because we were like, you know, we're basically how that trip unfolded was that we were in North Korea, I think for three days, then we followed them, we traveled with them to New Zealand. Yeah. And basically, like, met them at the, like, security gate. And they're like, oh, you guys are still here? Because <laughs> they didn't fully understand, like, <laughs> what our purpose was. And we don't yeah. ever anticipate them to see this film. So, it was always just, we didn't really establish, oh, right. like, that this is what's going to so happen. So, somebody went to the hockey team, explained in their own words why you were there and what you were doing. But you don't necessarily know exactly how they spun it to the team, right? It could have been slightly different than reality for sure for sure it's it's you know we definitely just wanted to let them know and we still did like wanted to promote you know their sport and the fact that they have a stake in the sport in the world um and so you know going back to your original question talk we thought new zealand was going to be a breeze and there was one guy that traveled with the team we hadn't seen before he was he was sporting like this you know nice blue sports athletic get up uh look like a stern guy and he was he was the yes or no guy he was the security guy. Oh. And uh, man, we didn't get, we got one on ice interview that we just like ran up to a player after they won a game and just like started just smashing them with questions. And just in the background, security guys just running for us, like saying like, stop talking. I'm so-. And we didn't get a single interview for the rest of that trip. 
so it wasn't New Zealand that was difficult. It was it was the yes man on the t- yes no man on the team. Like Jacinta Barrett wasn't up in your grill the whole time. She had nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Jacinta would would probably be you know you know sweet ass guys like you know really like what you're doing with the sports. But <laughs> nice. um, no, it was uh, and we th- we thought like oh they're gonna be you know going out in the city and stuff like no. It was like they went to the hockey rink, they went to the hotel, and that was it. Um, God, it was it was pretty brutal. The discipline that they, yeah, and they they mentioned this. You mentioned this a couple times in the film. The discipline is is phenomenal. But that was this explains a bit of because uh, there's a bit of an undertone when they talk to the New Zealand tournament organizer of of not exactly he's not exactly happy with the team no. <laughs> and that security guy that that little tidbit kind of because they mentioned that um, one of the players at one point needs medical attention and there's a that they weren't happy with the security and that must be this guy in the new blue blazer, right? The, the yes or no guy. Mm-hmm. So, huh, that's really good behind the scenes info. It, it honestly is a very, very well done, very, very beautifully shot, very well done film. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so please go check it out. Devin, I have some sort of like, uh, if you don't mind some like more like background questions, like for instance, you know, you can rent or buy on iTunes. And then I was surprised to see that the other option I think was, Vimeo Pro, yeah. which is not a thing I even like knew about. So, what was what is the distribution process like? How do you go from making a film and then being like, okay, this film is now available on iTunes and Vimeo Pro? I and I mean that might not be something you were involved in, so you might not know. But it was just very curious. I was very curious. Again, like you know, I want to preface the fact that you know. I was like very hands on during like the making of the film and into the pre-production. And then once it went into post, that's where I definitely, um, I'm pretty grateful that I got to step back because it looked like it was very difficult to, to waver through. But, um, from what I understand to get through that process of like distributing the film, we first had to have our like, you know, international worldwide premiere at the Whistler film festival before we could kind of strike up any other deals um, like mm-hmm. you saw on iTunes and, and Vimeo, um, we, we've been just faced with some challenges with just like finding some interest for, for finding like a solid distributor to, to grab the film. Um, and we're not too, too sure why. Um, but this was definitely an avenue that it was still a win for us to be able to go on something like Vimeo on demand or iTunes and just be like, Oh, great. Like people now have a platform where they can rent our film. Yeah. Now, I might be reading reading into this too much, but do you think any of that, you know, because seeing the movie, I would I would I would compare it to like tons of the documentaries I've seen. It is just as impactful, just as interesting, uh, just as professionally well made. But do you think people uh, people being like possible distributors, do you think there's a political angle like, ooh, North Korea, maybe we don't want to get involved and it could be. You know, some people have opinions. Maybe we just stay away from it. Do you think that's a factor? Because for me, I didn't get any of that. It's just the, it's 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 about the hockey team, right? It's not about any of the bigger you know political stuff, really. Yeah, no, for sure. That's that's a really great question. I think with that being said, um, what we found when we had reached out to you know just various distributors and whatnot to talk about the film. Um, I think they wanted to see, they wanted it to be more politicized and we didn't give that. Oh, more political. Yeah. And that was, that was the angle that we, we told ourselves, you know, that was kind of the dilemma that you have as a documentary, the moral dilemma you have as a documentary filmmaker is like, we set up a, a friendship with these individuals and we told everyone on the team that we would never, ever jeopardize our relationship with these people because at the end of the day you can you can have your views on what you think about the regime and and all that and the people of north korea but at the end of the day there's still human people that we could ultimately be responsible for if they got in trouble and i would mm-hmm. never be able to live with myself if if we compromised somebody's life out of a 100%. selfish filmmaking act yeah that's a big thing like it is just a story about sport and you did focus and it does focus on that and there are points when you're asking about what, what the motivation is, and they always come back to the fatherland and the general and stuff like that, which is kind of, it's interesting because that's just what they were raised to do. But you don't, you don't exploit that. You don't explore those options very much. You keep it, you keep it hockey based. And it, yeah, you could see because 
that's a life or that's something that as Canadians, we just have no clue about, right? Like if we have a government and yeah, they make some questionable decisions, but there's never a real life or death situation for us. Whereas if they say something wrong against the government, that could potentially be a life or death situation, Yeah, which you guys didn't do. And anyway, that's, it's unfortunate that that's kind of the angle that some distributors are looking for. I, I think this movie is just, it's great the way it's made. So thank you. Um, Devin, you mentioned the the Whistler Film Festival where yeah, I was, just was it ask. A f- official selection, right? What does that mean? Can you expand on that? Because if you were like, if it was best director, I know what best director means, but what does official selection mean at, at the Whistler Film Festival? Yeah, with the Whistler uh, Film Festival, um, again, it was a great venue to, to host the film. I think it really suited the theme of the film. It has to do with sport, the team's from Vancouver. Um, so we felt really at home just you know, literally driving only an hour and a half to go to our first film festival nice. and to have a yeah. premiere. Yeah. Um, and to be one of the official selections, um, which by the panel of, of judges uh, that kind of oversee all the productions coming in, um, it was one of their, their like kind of top picks that you probably should be seeing um, at the film festival uh, and also noting the fact that it was, it was its first premiere. Um, so it just really highlights the fact that, you know, the judges – saw this film and find it to be very striking. Um, and so they definitely like highlight that in all their advertisements, um, all the pamphlets that they're giving out. Um, but in terms of like the official title, it's a great question. I don't actually, I've never actually like looked into that. No, I think you, you answered my question basically. Yeah. Like I, I, I definitely get it now. It's just, you know, the judges saw it and said, wow, this is, this is worth everybody's time. If you're at the Whistler Film Festival, take the time to watch this one. And, you know, after the fact. Tuck, have we, um, are we official selection on any podcast uh, festivals? No? We're official selection on my podcast recommendation. So we just got to come up with a cool name for it. Like, Can's a, Can has the pod door, <laughs> right? We could just be like the mic door. We're the mic door. <laughs> I don't get it. It's like a gold mic. Right. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. I thought you were Mike, yeah. like the name. I thought it was a person. Yeah, I, I assumed it was, it was a sports guy yeah. that I wasn't no. getting. Ah, see, no. not just me. <laughs> yeah. Just also happy one. Mike Door sounds we'll, like a football we'll workshop player. It. We'll workshop it. Um, I want to back up a bit. So you were involved in the film, but um, I guess how did you get involved and what? Where, how did your career get you to the point? Like, I want to back up into kind of how you got into this career and stuff like that. Because I keep talking, it up, back it up. Pack it up. Pack if it I up. keep talking like this, we're going to give away spoilers. And I really, I really want our, our 50 listeners to go by this. <laughs> by this uh, and uh, hey, listeners, if you know somebody that works at a big, big studio distribution network, hit up Devin. Please do. I, we'll, we'll post his I'm pretty sure the president of Sony, Amy Pascal, listens to the podcast. So we're all good. Actually, <laughs> so Amy, she might not be president anymore. I don't know. Pick up this film. But it was a deep cut. Um, yeah. How did yeah. you get started in, in this line of work? Yeah. Good question. But, yeah. No, Probably thanks. You. I got to. It's always fun remembering like how you came to be where you're at. Um, so yeah, 2015, yeah. I graduated from Kaplan University um, with the uh, motion picture arts degree. Um, so that was kind of just hit the ground with really not knowing where to head. Um, and one of my mentors at school was like, hey, you should uh, link up with two of these other filmmakers that uh, graduated a year before you. That's when I met... Um, you know, my buddy and, and now business partner, Nigel Edwards. Um, and we basically, like our film was funded by two major sources, um, one being our university, uh, which had an alumni funding program um, called Launchpad. And we were just approached by one of alumni and they said, hey, pitch us any ideas, literally anything, anything you want to do. So we went to the pitching process, three of us who were working together at the time uh, in, yeah, this was twenty late 2015, um, all pitched documentary ideas. And Nigel was the one that pitched uh, Closing the Gap Hockey in North Korea. Um, and they were the alumni like staff were curious, but none of them believed. They're like, you're not going to get to North Korea. Like, what, do hockey? Are you kidding me? Um, and thankfully, um, our buddy Matt Reichel, um, who basically is a world traveler with unlimited amount of connections in almost every country, um, was, the, was the key holder. And he had the keys to North Korea. And he came into it. We brought, him to, we brought Matt to a meeting with our alumni. We're all sitting in this big boardroom with all these, these alumni staff and um, all these teachers and stuff. And they're like, so you can get into North Korea. And Matt just sits there, hands clasped. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's no problem. 
It's no problem. He's your, he's your Marcus like, Brody or whatever. <laughs> Marcus goes to, yeah. speaks 100 languages. Anyway, totally. bad reference. Totally. Um, it was an Indiana Jones reference, right? Come on. Yeah, no, way over my head. Didn't get it. Uh, that's so, so there was no connection to North Korea while he was pitching this idea. He just went in and Nigel just went in and said, we want to shoot a documentary about the North Korean. Well, I'm assuming he must have, he knew about the hockey team. He knew about well, their existence. This, this was after, cause the, this, the North Korean women's team actually competed in the Olympics in South Korea, correct? Yeah. That's, like that's the, a great point to bring up that we can either mention yeah. now or sometime later, but that was very interesting timing for probably the most crucial part of the documentary journey, the four year documentary journey. Um, but Sorry, going back to with Nigel and his knowledge of the story, he had been approached by Matt. They were in a bar like years before and Matt had... Best way to make a business deal. Yep, yep. Matt had been to North Korea. Um, Matt's been to North Korea more than 40 times. That's, yeah, he, he, had, Why? Yeah, he had set up NGOs Just there. Just for fun? Oh, NGO. Okay. Yeah, he, he was, Matt was doing tours in business um, because he had gone to uh, school in Beijing and then he was, you know, setting up uh, tours to go back and forth between North Korea um, and still does, you know, so you, you can still hit, hit Matt up and uh, his company, Inertia Network, and they'll, they'll provide tours over to North Korea in a very safe manner. Um, but basically, he just approached Nigel in a bar. And was, they, were, they were already mutual friends, so they were just having drinks and told him about the story that he's like, oh, yeah, there's a men's national hockey team. They've had, you know, hockey in North Korea since the Russians brought it back in like the 50s or whatever. Um, so there's all this like old like Russian uh-huh. gear that they're using and stuff. Um, and that's kind of how it came to be, um, was was just through that meeting. Um, and then also our mutual friend, Sonny, who you know grew up playing hockey here, is South Korean born, um, actually has relatives that uh, lived in North Korea after the Korean War. Um, so there was some like deep connection there as well. That um, actually, that was one of the questions I had is how did hockey get, get there in the first place in the Russian Russia, makes classic. The same way. Mother Russia. And it does, yeah. You need some surplus military gear and or ice skates? Russia, they got you. The the equipment's actually a huge theme in the movie because of UN sanctions. Like we can't, you can't give them new gear. So they would, you know, talk to other teams and they'd see the skates and they'd see things like that. But they're using hand-me-down gear from just, I guess, Russian surplus. Like it's, it, it, yeah, all of this stuff is very cool. These are, I don't want to give away too much. I might yeah, actually, I may have already. But, should we, should we change yeah. gears? Like, uh, Devin, do you want to talk a little bit about, um, the work you do with, um, pink bike? I won't make that sweet pink berry joke that I made before. <laughs> I won't do that. Um, world's, I believe talk said world's biggest mountain biking website. Um, I know about as much about mountain biking as I do about hockey. So bear with me here, but, um, you do some uh, pretty cool work for them. Yeah, based on what I've seen on your Instagram. Well, hey, thank you, thank you. Glad to know you're you're in the background lurking on the on the gram. Um, always, oh, I'm always always, lurking. always, He's always in the background. Always lurking. Um, yeah, no, pink bike. Uh, like I said, it it is uh, yeah the world's largest mountain bike resource um, for online online stuff um, in terms of forum, buy sell, chat, photo, video. Um, YouTube channel has nearly half a million subs. Um, and yeah, I just, just a couple more than our podcast, <laughs> a couple more. <laughs> hey, you guys are celebrating one year. I heard. Um, so yeah. Hey, hey thank you. Thanks. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah. We appreciate yeah, it. No, that's huge. That must feel really great. I feel something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I try not to bring emotions into it. Uh, when I was living in Grand Prairie, I started getting into mountain biking and pink bike was a forum that I didn't get very far. Like, let's not, let's not make this seem like I'm extreme. I bought a downhill bike six inches six inches of travel on the back back uh, shock this is how much i know but you could transition it to four inches for when you were pedaling and i i biked with it once i'm like this thing is heavy i can get no power i'm like i gotta i gotta sell this thing so i sold it and the tires were flat that's about my experience but i did check out pink bike when when i was doing that and it was just a forum so obviously it's it's morphed into this multimedia giant i guess if you want to call it that like half a million subscribers is pretty giant for sure and i mean that's just on that's just on youtube alone and then of course there's you know the website traffic that garters i think the most attention like you were saying like 
the buy and sell and all the other ways that people are just staying connected into the mountain world of mountain biking. If you need to know about mountain biking, just like hockey guys want to know about NHL stuff, it's the same idea. It's where you just come to find out what's going on in the world of racing and everything else. It was started by experts. Like it started by mountain bikers and it's, it's still run by, do you mountain bike yourself then? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I, yeah. I learned very quickly because uh, I just started with a company in January um, that I'm into mountain biking. I live in Vancouver. It's kind of just natural to be into mountain biking, but I don't live, breathe mountain biking like my coworkers and everybody else at the company. It's like they're dialed and I'm, they're talking about stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah. 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 Cool. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so. What's a, what's a day in the life? Like you, you following a team out to the mountains and catching some, some, uh, some video of them, you know, hurtling themselves down a cliffside like is that is that a realistic day and at work once in a while yeah so um every we shoot a lot in squamish uh we shoot a lot in the north shore which are two of the you know that's like some of the meccas of of mountain biking um that reach across the across the globe that people come travel to here to specifically ride and of course whistler as well um but yeah we have presenters that basically present content um, you know, on camera and we just go out and shoot different tutorial videos. We're trying to really just reach that grander mountain bike audience that isn't really, some are kind of starting out, but you're almost at like the, the, the next level up where you know a little bit about mountain biking and you want to hone your skills in a little bit more. Um, while still just informing people of like what's going on within the industry. You're shooting videos for yourself then, right? Like if you're not living, breathing mountain biking, but you're an above average mountain biker, Kind of? Kind of, yeah. We definitely want to like hit yeah. that audience. It's not saying that you have, if you're like a new person, you can't watch our videos. Of course you can. There's tons of entry-level videos that get you into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's watching, watching the presenters huck themselves down some of these scary tracks is always, we, we've had some, so a few bad crashes while I was behind the camera. And man, yeah. it, it, that must feel weird. I just, I've learned enough now. Like I used to film a lot of drifting at Castro Raceway out, in, uh, out by the airport in Edmonton there. Oh, yeah. Shout out. Yep, shout out. My, uh, and I'll never forget the first time I watched my best friend Tanner Boyne crash his um, 91 skyline into the wall going, I don't know how fast. And just Yikes. aiming my camera on that and being like, that's my responsibility right now. <laughs> what should I be doing right now? Um, yeah. That's a really interesting point about documentary filmmaking. I, Yeah, because it, it brings up something I just watched recently. I would just watch free solo and they, they talk about that. They talk about the fact that like when you're, when you're filming somebody doing something dangerous and something bad happens, like you can't, you got to help, but realize like, is, is were they pushing themselves because the camera's on them or like, are you a part of this crash or are you just witnessing it? And that's a very real feeling. I think for anybody that's ever stepped behind a camera yeah. yeah, I think, and too, like, even, like, especially nowadays, like, just banking off of, like, what you said about, like, Free Soil, which is, again, amazing film, um, touches on a lot yeah. of interesting themes, and that in particular with, like, what's your moral responsibility, it's like, even nowadays, it's like, if you think if you got into a situation on the street, say someone started harassing you, it's like, guaranteed, people are going to just start filming that. Well, and like, and the bystander effect, right? Nobody helps because everybody assumes that somebody else is helping. Well, no, and not even that, like, everybody just takes out their film camera and and starts filming it like and it's it's yeah it's a really it's a weird time that we live in because everybody has that ability to do that but so you went to capilato university you took a motion motion picture art motion picture degree motion picture arts yep yeah mopa motion picture arts cute name how many how many movies did you get to watch in your degree Ooh, great question oh man Four-year degree. Any final exams about Terminator 2 Judgment Day? Or Jurassic Park or something like that. <laughs> oh, man, I wish. I wish. It was, it was like going back to, um, I mean, I feel like we definitely obviously had to talk about Citizen Kane, which, I mean, for the average like person who just watches the movies, uh, Citizen what? Oh, you know, the greatest movie of <laughs> all time. Yeah, debatable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just like a kind of cult following now, but um, like it, it was it it it's important. Yes, Citizen Kane existing and and the the things that it did and sort of the the additions to the world of filmmaking that it made are important. 
But that doesn't mean that it still is the best movie of all time fucking 80 years later. Like, no, completely. Get over it. Completely. Yeah. No, I I think for us, like, too, we, there was a lot of technical stuff with our school. So we, we would always be watching just clips and different scenes of how they did this, how they did that. Um, and then there was, like, the philosophical, like, approach, too, which... I totally wasn't on board with like I, I I didn't really sink my teeth too much into philosophy of stuff. Um, I was always like more like the technical action movie kind of guy. At least that's what I grew up on. And there's nothing wrong with philosophy and film. Um, but it was it would still be interesting when we had to dive probably deeper than I've ever gone with like understanding how to film something and what motivates me to do that. Now I don't approach like my pink, pink bike content with like thinking about like the Kuleshov effect, you know, and all these other like old film techniques that kind of just started filmmaking history. Um, but, you know, oftentimes you kind of come back to it and you just remind yourself of like the roots of like where it came from. And, and I think it's definitely good to have in your tool belt for sure. Um, but a lot of it gets lost. <laughs> you mentioned that you do have a production company with Nigel. Um, what motivates so when you're if you take yourself out of the pink bike out of the stuff that you know keeps the lights on pays the bills what motivates you to to shoot stuff there like what um i guess what are your inspirations and that sort of thing which is kind of a douchebaggy question but i'm I'm trying here we don't get a lot of professionals on so this is our this is me putting tuck putting on his professional hat (laughs) professional interview question no i i hey i appreciate these questions these questions make me even reflect on like why do i why do i do this why do i care um, yeah. and I think the biggest thing yeah. for me was, was it always was documentary. Like I realized that when I had to do like a thesis project for my final, final year and I chose to do a documentary and that's kind of always stuck with me. It was like this curiosity to watch one, watch stories of people in all these unique places and spaces, um, that are going through struggle. Cause I didn't grow up with, I grew up in a white family in Grand Prairie, Alberta. I didn't have a hard life. Um, and so I think the curiosity to see what other people go through, through a film, in a film, was always interesting to me because it, I guess it, it, it allowed me to almost have that sense that you get when you go traveling, but you're watching yeah. it through someone else's eyes. So you're just understanding that not everything's like your story. And you have to realize that yeah. at some point. Um, so the curiosity for me has always been trying to find these human stories. Um, and honestly, I need to do it more. That's something that I don't dabble with as much because I think I just let myself get too busy with other things. I mean, don't, don't be too harsh on yourself. Like, yeah. even though you're in a creative, you're in a creative job and a creative medium, like 99% of the world is just working to pay the bills. Right. So I would say that your paying the bills type job type job still is more creative and fulfilling probably than, most people so that's something you should you should be happy about that and i mean that's true can you always go out and and do something a little more self-fulfilling for sure but also you know trying is hard and so sometimes it's easy you know no just (laughs) what is it history is made by a few uh by a few people while the rest of us just haul water and plow fields or something like (laughs) that's that's the quote from sapiens i like that yeah it it and i yeah like Ryan said, you got to do something in order to encourage your passion. So it's, it's cool that you have a passion like that, not just sitting around in an hour in a closet, yeah, sweating your ass something. off, talking about movies, right? Like that's a, <laughs> I used to, uh, I'm not a, I guess I'm not a very passionate guy. I used to always think, uh, like when I, when I was trying to go to school and then looking for a career, I was always like, oh, one day something's just going to strike me and I'm going to know that that's my passion and that's what I want to do. And I just don't know that I have it. Like for you, it was filmmaking and I love movies and I love making this podcast, but in terms of like career and stuff, like I'm just not, I don't think I'm the type of guy to be able to put myself out there and and make my own company and, and partner with somebody to make a project. I think I'm happy to just work the job, punch, punch the clock, and then use that income to live my personal life passionately. Right. And so I think it's a very, a very, um, a very particular type of person who's willing to say, I love this thing so much that like this, here's, here's the amount of work I'm going to put into it. And it always really impresses me. So you've impressed me, Devin, is what I'm saying. Well, thank you. I hate, I, I appreciate it, but you know, it, it was, 
honestly like a little intimidating when i like clicked on spotify and i like saw like the graphic come up for you know your guys well that's a professionally made graphic <laughs> well hey, we didn't make it we're not professionals we paid a professional to make it. everything look legit everything sounds legit and i think also in like the same you know respect for what you guys are saying i have a huge amount of respect for the fact that you're able to say like you said punch the clock whatever you need to do to you know make your bread and butter but still have the energy to pursue these other passions outside and it's funny you mentioned that because i was chatting with a buddy who's a director he had actually left his full-time job um last year like amid the pandemic and was like no i need to go back into filmmaking and he just got nominated for uh i think two leo awards um, for his short film that he shot in Red Deer, Alberta, talking about growing up in a blue collar kind of family. And I really oh, wow. commend that the fact that he's able to just be like, no, I, I can work this. He was, he was line painting for the city of Vancouver while he was like making this <laughs> short film. <laughs> it takes guts to, to put yourself out on the line and, and, and do something like that. Yeah. Guts, guts. I don't have. I think that's really interesting that you raised that, um, your buddy who, who shot a story about red deer because you talk about your passion about telling, telling people stories and hardships or whatever. It, it could be found anywhere. Like it could be found not, doesn't necessarily have to be in North Korea. You could do it in red deer, which I think is a very interesting point for anybody that's listening, right? Like it, uh, you don't have to start, don't, don't shoot for the moon with a country that, you know, only has one guy that can take you there. Maybe just start with your home. Yeah. Don't go to the regime and first. interview people and seek to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I no, I, I totally agree. The stories are all around us. And that's honestly like when, when I'm able to, I shot a short sports documentary in Grand Prairie a few years ago. Um, and man, the, the ability to just go back home and see it through a different space was incredible. Um, that was a really profound experience. And it, man, it was, it was emotional for me just to be able to explore my home, to feel at home, but to realize like I'm trying to show other people who aren't from here, Why? what this place means to me. Through the behind the lens is a very interesting eye that you can look at. Like you touch on that um, when you're talking about it, it takes you out of it, gives you that that um, sort of out of body perspective, right? Where you're not, you're not emotionally invested, you're just portraying the story and letting it play out. So what, um, going back before you went to Cap College, even though it's university now, what, um, what inspired you to get into the motion picture arts? Was it watching movies as a kid? Was it um, any particular movie or what, what led you down that path from just enjoying movies to wanting a career in it? There's, I think there's, there's obviously like probably a ton of crucial parts, but like the Coles notes for me was, um, oh, you'll have to remind me of the year. This sounds bad too, but whenever Jurassic Park came out. 93. It's earlier than you think. Cause that T-Rex looks amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Truly amazing. Um, love watching that film. Yeah. You know, I was always just so enamored with anything Spielberg was making. Um, and I actually wrote him a letter. I think I was like seven or eight and I had my parents help me awesome. write a letter to Spielberg and we sent it to like some Hollywood address. Um, just saying that like, amazing. I like his films and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that did he respond? No, he is both. Get this. Oh, wow, wow. Well, Steve, Grand we'll edit it. Wow, I can't believe you responded. That's amazing. <laughs> we have a, Devin, we have a phrase on the podcast we like to use uh, yeah. called a Jurassic Park moment, right? And we use that with guests because for both Tuck and I, there was an experience where as a kid in the theater watching Jurassic Park, at a certain point, you just, your brain goes, holy shit, movies can be this. Like, this yeah. is what a movie can be. And that's, you know, is a Jurassic Park moment where you just realize this is how much you love movies and what a movie can mean to you and how crazy cool a movie can be. I love that. I love that. That's so interesting. This Jurassic Park. Movie. It's, it's the scene when they're, when he, when they're looking at the, the brontosaurus and he turns Dr. Sadler's head and they just, and then it's do, 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 do. That's the Jurassic Park moment that we've all captured for some guests. It's been Lord of the Rings, but yeah, for both Ryan and I, it was also Jurassic Park. So we really appreciate you here. Oh that. yeah. No, you I, saying I that. think that's great. Yeah. Um, that, that was, it was, it was cool to like, you know, see that film, have those moments in there. Um, and then it was when my parents took me to Universal Studios and I got to see some of the sets that still involve Spielberg, like seeing the Jaws. Fun. Did you do on the Jaws ride? Yeah, I did yeah. the Jaws ride as a kid. That ruled. Backlot tour 
like all yeah. when we're out of COVID, I'll go there again and take that backlog tour because that to me like that's when I my parents introduced me to backdraft. Saw backdraft and then oh, to yeah. be on the that. set. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. yeah, I was like, that's when I I can tell you like in my bones. I was like, I need to make something with movies because this is amazing. I'm I'm trying to talk my wife into going to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's just going to be so expensive, but like I can't imagine I'm not going to love every damn second of it. I think I'm going to enjoy it more than my kids when we take them there. Hundred percent. Don't take like, them. Leave them. Save the money. Leave them behind. They're not going to appreciate yeah, it fully. I'm going to get me. three lightsabers out of this deal. Okay. I'm not. Oh, just I have. Getting I one have lightsaber. three lightsabers in this room. <laughs> There's one behind me. and There's two above me. Would that be the first place That's... you go once the pandemic's over? Oh, good question. Great question i so in alberta here we just recently found out that anybody that basically by the end of june everybody will be able to quote book their second vaccination so for me theoretically mid-july i'm going to be fully vaxxed so my wife and i would like we like to travel when we can you know we're not rich but we're we're pretty privileged more than a lot of people so we're able to go on you know budget-friendly trips you know once a year maybe and we're just really itching, you know, we've been locked up in the house and we want to get out there and do something. But it really it's hard to make a call this far in advance because just because I'm going to be vaccinated, who knows what the world still looks like? Like, yeah. I know that certain countries in the EU are doing like a vax passport now, but it's still in a rollout. So I don't think I can just roll in and be like, no, it's cool. I'm from Canada. I'm vaccinated. <laughs> so w- we would love to do a trip. But I think it's too early for us to actually plan what that trip is. We're going to have to play it by ear. Yeah, with um, with two little ones, it's very complex. I think we'd maybe go to Mexico. Like that would probably be the the easiest thing to do. We uh, both our our parents are lucky enough to have a place in Arizona, so we might go down there. But that's where the Disneyland trip would go. I read that Mexico this year, the like the resort areas are going to be off the chain busy because of all the Americans that couldn't travel and now can travel, and so it's just going to be like crazy busy. Mm. Where are you going to go? Oh man, we're either thinking Tibet. Um, or doing the Annapurna circuit, which is like you can do it in various steps of like 18 kilometers through the Himalayas or like 28 kilometers or something, just trekking through the mountain. I think like the lowest point, I, my buddy did it. He said the lowest point he was at was still the height of Mount Robson. Wow. So, I have a, yeah, I work with a guy that's done that. He listened to one episode and said, do you guys are pretty ADD, but... <laughs> Anyway, Mark, if you're listening to this, I'll 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 send you his I'll send you his contact info because he's got some really he's got some really cool contacts in that area. Like he's he summited one mountain that that they hadn't before because he hooked up with Whoa. these SAS guys and stuff like that. Like this this guy would be an interesting that sounds interesting insane. guy to talk to. You, so you met up with yeah. SAS if you're guys? if you're if you're talking about going to Nepal, Mark. Uh, Mark is your guy. So I'll, uh, I'll make sure you guys connect. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. Please do. <laughs> hey, so Devin, sounds like you got into movies for the same reason as the rest of us love movies in which movies are just fucking cool. Yeah. They're a great escape. They're really yeah. awesome. Uh, do you have any upcoming movies this year that you're excited about? Like what's on the release schedule that you are pumped for? Oh man. I'm so putting you on the spot. Hot seat. I'm so bad. Can, does take it have much, to be a movie? Take as much time as you need, he could cut this. No, any. No. I mean, frankly, anything you're excited for. I mean, I'm, I'm still like out of like the total radar, content. but like Stranger Things three. Is it three or season four? four? Season four. four. Season four. The new season oh, where bad. like because at the end of the well, sorry, we won't spoil the end of the last season, but it was a bit of a cliffhanger. So and I I didn't think they were doing a new season, so I actually was excited too when I when we got that little teaser. I was like, okay, all right, it's a good series. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah, I found that to be, that was kind of like watching that series and watching each episode, you know, because we, I think the three of us, we all grew up with, you know, watching the Goonies. Um, and so. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yes. Fuck yeah, is right. Um, it catches, Stranger Things catches that like 80s dumb kid adventure vibe. Yeah. So good. And then makes it scary I, as it, shit too, where I was like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> It's the effects that they, if they wish they, they wish they could have used in the eighties, they use it now <laughs> and it, it makes it so much better. I didn't watch the Goonies till I was in university. So wow, I, I am a, I'm an imposter, but I know that I know the vibe you're going for. Cause there's a, there's a hundred movies out there that, that capture it. But, and, th- and stranger things nails all the nostalgia points perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, Cause there's a sense of, uh, there's the calm, like comedic bits, but also like that suspense and kind of horror, um, it's just so spot on. But then there's all this like adventure and fun 
to yeah. it as well. It ca- it captures. I, I thought about it the other day because I was I was out for a run. Shout out me getting in shape, not a big deal, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was up for a run and I, I ran past these kids and there was one kid at the end of the street and there was three kids on bikes and they were doing a race. And like these kids were probably maybe nine or 10, but it just captures that moment of when you were just chilling on the street with your buddies doing dumb shit. Like that's what that, that moment hits home with a lot of people. And it, it's a very powerful feeling of just, you don't have adult responsibilities. You don't have to worry about cooking dinner. You don't have to worry about anything. Like adulting is not even in the picture. Yeah. You're just carefree playing one, two, three, home free on the playground and life is perfect. You don't know it, but life is, is, is perfect. Right. And like yeah. things are big deals too, though. Like when you see these yeah. kids bombing around, it's like, oh, we got to go to the mall and like do this. And they're out. but the parents are like, oh, these kids are just running around doing dumb crap. But like as a kid, yeah. like, this is really important right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is super serious. You need to get this Spider-Man action figure. This is life or death. Really, it's not going to matter in, in 20 minutes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have anything upcoming other than the stuff at Pink Pike? Do you, are you working on anything or are you just searching for your next project? Yeah, we have, um, we have one project that just um, the producer that we work with, um, she just got some pre-development funding for. Um, nice. I'm not too sure how much I'm allowed to talk about that one, but it's Ooh, it's an episodic could series. be the first hot scoop for Tuck and Rolls. Yeah. No, no, we won't pressure you no. on it. So, well, what, where can the listeners find you online so that when when you are allowed to share details, I'm sure you'll post them. Uh, probably your Instagram page if you want to share that with them. Yeah, Instagram. Um, you just look for windowbox.co is where you can find our website and our Instagram. Um, so yeah, definitely just stay tuned on that. Window box, cool name. We'll uh, we'll make sure to post that when we post the episode. This has been awesome. Yeah, Devin. really cool. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on, Devin. Thanks for having me. I better give Caleb a I get, better give Caleb a quick shout out. So De- Devin's cousin and I went to high school together, and we had um, Pascal Miles was on, and he was a he was he's also a filmmaker. Uh, he does uh, documentary stuff, and when we also hockey that, related, so also hockey so. related. Yeah, he, yeah. When we released the episode, Caleb was like. Hey, my cousin's a filmmaker. You should talk to him too. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, let's reach out. So, um, thanks, Caleb, for hooking this up. Thanks, Devin, for not saying no. (laughs) (laughs) And we hope you had fun. I mean, our goal with our guests is always just that they have fun. So, totally. No, I had, I even like learned a little bit about myself. Like, why the hell am I still doing this? (laughs) I love that. uh, We hope you you still keep doing it because honestly, if you haven't checked it out on iTunes, um, Closing the Gap is a great, great uh, movie. Do you want to do a top three, Ryan? Because I think if you've you got one, yep, I and do. And also, you got to explain to Devin what a top three is. Devin, at the end of episodes where we have a guest on, we sometimes do a fun thing where we do a top three, where we do a bit of a snake draft, where you go through and you pick. You know how a snake draft works? No, I've never heard of it. Oh shit! Okay, well I'll explain that in a second. But either way, we we pick a theme, and you pick your top three of that theme, and it just gives our listeners a bit of an insight into into where your mind's at. So we're gonna do top three. Spielberg movies. Oh, top three Spielberg movies. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Well, okay. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Cause I think he's got enough. Um, and the way a snake draft works is if you pick first, you get one pick, but if you pick third, you get two picks in a row and then it goes back down to first and then they get three, two picks in a row <laughs> until we get to three picks. So would you like to pick first, second or third? I think it's the, the real question. Oh man. Um, I'll pick, th- I'll pick first. Okay, that's a good pick because you get to pick your number one to make sure nobody else captures it. And then when we come back, you get two picks in a row for your second and third. Okay. Ryan, what uh, what, posi- what position would you like to go in? Devin, you're going first, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I'm going to go third. Okay, I will go second. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the only option left, buddy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay, Devin. What is your number one pick? Uh, number one pick is Sing Forever, Ryan. Good call. Okay. Good, Good call. call. That, is that opening scene is, um, it's something. Holy oh, cow. Yeah. yeah, it's, I'd say top opening scene of all time. Uh, like it's, it's definitely up there. There's something about it, like where it's, you can just tell that this war movie is going to be different than any other war movie you've ever seen. Yeah. And it, um, Lost out, unfortunately, lost out Best Picture to Crash, but Crash is also an impactful movie, so. True, true. 
No, I'm just kidding. It's a good pick. Tom Hanks, uh, really great in Saving Private Ryan as well. Really tremendous. Really great. America's dad. Shout out. Okay. Hey, shout out Tom Hanks. Shout out Tom Hanks. Uh, Number two, I'm going to go with Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm taking it, Ryan. Fair enough. Fair enough. What's your number? And I didn't specify it could be anything that he's been involved in. Doesn't have to be directed. I mean, we, it. It was implied it was directed, not I'm just, produced. I'm just throwing it out there right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, you that's because you just thought of another one that he was a producer on that you're going to try to sneak in here. Look, my I first did. pick is Jaws. I can't believe neither of you guys picked Jaws, frankly. I mean, your picks are good, but the problem is with Spielberg is you got a lot of good picks, but I got to go Jaws. Yeah, that's that's timeless right there. Now, second pick, I was going to go Saving Private Ryan, right? You thought that but, would make it to second pick? No, I don't think about the game that way. I just try to think of what my top three are and then pivot if necessary. I think I'm going to go Raiders. So I picked all the good ones. Now you guys deal with what's left and then it'll come back to me. Holy. That is uh, okay. That's fair. Raiders is a very good pick. Um, While I want to take the terminal... I think I'm going to let that slide to possibly my third pick. And I'm going to go, my second pick, I'm going to go Hook. Bangerang. Bangerang. Rufio. Hook is a hook is an all-time movie. Like, it, it is underrated. Robin Williams, just fantastic. Okay. Devin, you get two picks in a row for your top three. I'm just trying to, like, mull through, like, all his all his films that he's done. He's got a lot. Um, He's been a busy guy. Oh, man. I think, um, you know, when you think about, like, being back as a kid and, like, what inspired you a lot, um, there's definitely – you got to throw E.T. up there just because, man, emotions. Like, learning to deal with emotions. I mean, if you think about E.T. and you think about how many movies you've seen that have uh, scenes or themes inspired by E.T., like, that's a hell Mm. of a list. Like, that's how impactful that was to – people of a certain age and the number of movies that were knockoff ETs, right? Like meat, meatballs and Mac uh, and me. Yeah. Mac and me. That's the other one I was looking for. (laughs) These are all these, like if you can make a movie that's so impactful that you get two or three shitty remakes of it that aren't quite remake artificially remakes of it, but are remakes of it. Yeah. That's, that's a good pick. ET also Emma tucks initials, my sister. So shout out Emma, but (laughs) all right. Third and final pick Devin. Um, I'm going to, I mean, I, I, I'm going with the war theme here, but Schindler's List, um, is an incredibly beautiful film. Um, and I think it's an important film as well for, for history and for people to watch to understand, um, how bad people can really be. Yeah. Pod, pod confession right now. I've never seen it. This is, this was on, wow. uh, this was wow. on the best picture list that, that, that one I hadn't seen. I, knocked off million dollar baby the other the last best picture sunday and so i definitely schindler's list is uh is this week so i will uh i'll schindler's, give my review next week schindler's list to, to devin's point is like it's an it's an it's an important part of history that we should not forget but it's tricky from a filmmaking perspective because you're literally making something that you don't want to watch it's yeah. painful it's painful to watch it but they've crafted a film where you you do want to, it's, it's such a well-made movie and, you know, parts of it are inspirational, but for the greater part of the movie, it's just really sharing with you a, a lot of the pain that people went through. So, uh, yeah, Tuck, you should definitely watch Schind- Schindler's no, List. I, I, um, I informed my beautiful wife that I hadn't seen Million Dollar Baby and, and she almost kicked me off the podcast unofficially, so... I've I've knocked that off the list. I haven't informed her that I haven't seen Schindler's List, so I'll watch that before before she finds out and kicks me off the podcast. Uh, okay, my third and final pick. I'm going to go with. I really want to pick Last Crusade, but I know um, I, it feels like I'm piggybacking on Raiders, even though I do like Last Crusade better than Raiders. Which is pick what you uh, want. They're different movies. I'm going to pick Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mostly for personal reasons. I remember my dad. This was one of those. And I'm sure we've, based on our conversation today, we've all had these experience where your dad would sit you down and say, 
you need to watch this. And Close Encounters of the Third Kind was was or was one of those movies where do 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 do. But yeah, so that um, that brings back some memories for Young Tuck, and that's why I'm picking it. Okay, my my third and final pick, and to to close this out, uh, Tuck, you said it is a joke. I feel like, and I got worried that you were actually going to take it, but I actually am going to pick the Terminal, which by all accounts is really not a very good movie, but I don't know why. I just really like it. And Tom Hanks is doing like the weird accent and the kind of silly character. It just really works for me. And especially too, when you compare it against Steven Spielberg's other work, you're like, really, Steve, this one? But like, it's just, I just enjoy it. Like if, if I'm not, I don't really flip through cable anymore. That's not a thing I do. But that is the perfect definition of me for like you're flipping through and it's on. I stop and I watch it. Yeah, fair enough. That's uh, that's another top three for another day. Movies that you'll stop and watch on TNT. Okay, <laughs> um, Davin, you nailed your first snake draft. This has been an awesome interview. We really, um, if you want to come back on and talk about something else, you're more than welcome to. Oh, um, listeners, if you haven't you haven't checked it out yet, go download. Go uh, go to iTunes buy don't just rent it by closing the gap because they get two more bucks yeah. um and enjoy it it's a beautifully made film um check out windowbox dot windowbox dot co dot yeah windowbox dot co uh yeah and we'll see you guys in two weeks like we said last episode this is every two weeks thanks again for listening thanks again Devin, for joining us thank you love you guys bye